0: welcome to the conduit deeper podcast a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series from current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us
1: deeper into the word thanks for joining us
0: welcome to the deeper podcast my name is mo executive pastor conduit church joined with our lead pastor darren tyler it's been a couple weeks since we've done a podcast, um, it's the holidays. Well, like the post office. you got to take a few months off. The post office is taking a few months off? The, the post That's office. New information.
1: The, yeah, the, I mean, I'm just saying the, there's lots of holidays with which the post office <laughs> okay. closes. So we,
0: I thought there was like— <laughs> We're they're, making up new ones. Their mantra was like, through the rain, the snow, the sleet. Oh, the, it is,
1: but it's not. But it's not. It hasn't been that for. I mean, I don't know how it is in your neighborhood now. But, like, if the post office, any new house is built, like, after a certain date, they all have to go to, like, a, uh... A community,
0: community post office. Thing, yeah. I've seen these. It's not... No, that's definitely not
1: ours. Yeah. It's new. And I tell you, when... that So, half our neighborhood, we get it delivered to our door, and the other half doesn't. And you, th- I was waiting for the pitchforks and the torches to show up, like, for the inhumanity of not being able to get your mail at your door. They drive their golf carts yeah. over there. But, you know, it hit me, like, eh. I mean, like anywhere else in the world like it's a miracle that i you could get something to just miraculously show up at your door that's true that was sent from somewhere else but uh well that was a tangent that wasn't worth taking at all other than we just took two weeks off like the post office
0: well post office or the, or the locals like the schools around here take off yeah. to me it seems like a really long time. Like, the school breaks feel like longer than they used to be. Is it just me It's just I like a old man thing? I think it's because the old summer is so
1: much shorter, don't you? We used to get out like, you kids don't know this, but like Labor Day and Memorial Day were what bookended our summers. Yeah, so, Memorial Day in May. Go back Labor Day in August yeah, so or have, September. So three full months off. June, July, August off. And now they're starting school like the first week of August.
0: It seems out. like they've traded that out for... Break like full thanksgiving yeah, week multi- you know two and a half weeks of Christmas and New year's, yeah, I mean, I guess that's six one we half a dozen another, but point being, we've
1: been on our own break <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we can I'd say a break, but we've been working our butts off, we suck at taking breaks
0: we yeah we we took a break from the podcast It did not mean that we weren't getting a lot done, yeah, elsewhere,
1: yeah, this whole because everybody knows as a pastor, we work one day a week. <laughs> Sunday, that's it. You know, that's what we've, so we've been got told. six days. So, uh, we, we worked maybe one or two of those, but rather <laughs> playing golf. <laughs> Isn't it fun? Like, um, especially because we have a lot of musician friends and maybe some of you listening now. So you're gone, you're gone, gone, and you're working, you know, but when you're home, you're home, home, and you're not, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, uh, but I definitely have musician friends now. They're like, "Hey, let's go and you know, have like a four-hour conversation on a Tuesday afternoon." I'm like, bro, wait a minute, I got stuff to do. Like, I have a job. Like, I
0: have things I have to do. Sunday's coming. That's the phrase around here. Yeah, Sunday's coming.
1: Yeah, and Sunday, that feeling starts at six twenty-one p.m. on Sunday p.m.
0: Immediately on the drive home from the five p.m. service, I'm already thinking about yeah. that Sunday. We're usually texting
1: about it. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay, we gotta do this again. We gotta do this again. <laughs> Six and, and a half days. <laughs> Say something thoughtful enough that made it worth someone waking up and coming in on a Sunday morning.
0: So we got through Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's, of course. Do you have a New Year's resolution? I, I just want to get it out there, just in case. Just what for is, accountability. What is yours? Oh, gosh. Dude, you flipped it on me already? Because I'm trying to remember what mine is. Oh, okay, I'll buy you some time. Um... Well, I, I preempted it. My, my, I guess my New Year's resolution is to keep the weight off that I've lost. Yeah.
1: You look good, thank you. Right? I have an un—you know this—an unblemished record of heterosexuality.
0: It's come up a few times. Yeah, you've stated it's, it's that. A committed few times.
1: to that. Yeah, but you look good. Thank it, you. It, we can see that on YouTube now. Uh, but if you're listening in, just know that Mo is looking good.
0: Well, so thank you. The resolution is to keep it off, and then now that I've shredded X amount of pounds, I need. I want to shred. I want to put back. I want to put on muscle.
1: Like I'm stripped down the fat. (laughs) Micah just went.
0: Now I got to put on. I support this. Now I got to put on some.
1: All right. So what's the strategy? What's the strategy for that? You going like so? Throw some kettlebells with Micah here. I mean, whatever
0: it takes. Whatever it takes. My wife thinks thankfully i have an in-house personal trainer cuz that's what she does and so she's got a, she's putting a plan together for me that will that will not Ooh. be
1: uh, so enjoyable he, and you because you're married to the plan literally cannot div, like divert from it right not
0: really not without consequences
1: do you get do you get a vote like
0: yeah i've i've left a little wiggle room in there to be like all right babe that's you're you're just toying with me here on some of this, like you're pushing it,
1: which gives her the wiggle room that if it doesn't work, <laughs> I told you, you I told listening. you something. yeah, yeah. It was, it was a loose I know place. it's
0: it's 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 a great plan and also wrought with
1: challenges. Yeah, and so, and so that people know, uh, you didn't get liposuction. Uh, you actually are following an eating plan mm-hmm. that is what.
0: No sugar. No sugar, no carbs. Um, that's been the main thing. Like completely wiping that out from the diet, which seems to be a bit of a, I hate to use the word fad, but there's, a, there's been a lot of conversation in even uh, the medical world and even like mainstream is starting to pick up on this no sugar kick. Yeah. Thank goodness because our,
1: our food supply is jacked. Yeah, I. You sent me an interview. Was it Huberman Lab? Huberman, yeah. It so I had been cursily, cursory, cursorily. Gosh, I, I gotta quit with words that I can't remember. I had a cursory knowledge there of what go. sugar was. Yeah, but. What I didn't know until after that interview, which I was, it was weird. I was very thankful that you shared it with me and also uh, significantly angry uh, mm-hmm. because it was going to just mess up my Cheerios. And literally the, your Cheerios. Literally. But yeah, the idea that 80% of the grocery store is added sugars that are not needed in there. for and They serve no purpose in the food, even taste-wise, mm-hmm. other than addictive qualities yeah. to it. And now I'm looking everywhere. I look, it's like, it's unbelievable. Added sugar this, added sugar that, added... And stuff that isn't sweet. I'm like, wait, I've been... No wonder I'm a full figure, man. I didn't know. <laughs> I'm over here, you know, thought I knew.
0: Yeah, I would definitely recommend listening to the um, Huberman Lab podcast specifically. Um, it, it was early December. Dr. Robert Lustig is his guest. I would have never remembered that name. And he uh, he does a, a two-hour interview and just talking about all the all the benefits of not consuming sugar. And and so anyways, that's what that's what's worked for me. ridiculous amount of water, constant movement, no sugar, no carbs, and it's falling yeah. off. So, I want to that's my res, my resolution is to keep doing what I'm doing for as long as I can. Keep rolling through it. Yeah.
1: Well, I have as you know, a plan to finished the hike that I started to base camp. That's right in uh Nepal.
0: 5 years ago. This fall 2019 will be, five be 5 years. years ago. This fall will be.
1: Wow. Oh, okay. Well, that explains why the training's going so much worse cuz <laughs> five, 5 years is a long time when you're in your late 40s and early 50s. That's uh, that it multiplies, but uh but yeah, when I was when I was uh helicoptering out for if you're new to this, I was with a a friend and staff member whose daughter had passed away completely unexpectedly, so we had to get out of Nepal. It was crazy. And somehow, yeah. anyway, it all worked. Got him home, but uh, was, as we're leaving, we're flying out of there, I was like, man, I've got to finish this. I can't not finish this. And so how anyway, close were you? Oh, we were, I mean, we were on the trail. We, were, we had a long way to go. Thankfully, we had a long way to go. Well,
0: how long is the trip?
1: Um, the hike? <laughs> I can't remember how many miles it is but you have to plan for 12 days oh my word Be- and not it's not every day that you're walking but most days but there are days like so you get to the, the next spot you actually go a thousand feet higher and then come back down again and then you might spend a day there to get at your lung acclimated to lack of oxygen and then you walk again and, and then of course you got to leave a couple days for Uh, (laughs) inclement weather Uh, yeah, (laughs) on Everest. But all in all, uh, we should be on and off the trail in 12 to 13 days. Wow. But the goal has got to be, so if you remember by 2019, you know, I had dropped the weight, I was ready to go. And then 2020 happened. Then I started Mm -hmm. eating my feelings and apparently I was (laughs) really angry uh, for a long time. You could literally watch me ballooning over uh, on the live stream over the span of a year. I'm like, he's having an allergic reaction or he's eating too much. Yeah, I know how that feels. So, uh, yeah, I've got a because every pound of my fat butt uh, that I have to carry – as, as a pound, I don't have to carry up the, the mountain. So if I can True. get rid of it, the, the better. So
0: so the, the, the resolution, the plan is to train, drop some weight, get some strength, some lung strength,
1: all the strength. Prepare right. and plan for your your hike yeah. so in s- the fall. I guess. Yep. Yeah. September fourteenth. Well, Landon, we'll actually go to Bratnagar for a few days, do a conference there with pastors, and assuming I don't get arrested, then we'll go to the uh, base camp hike. Wow. After that. So, and that'll yeah. be somewhere in that. It's length. a big goal. It's so huge. yeah, it is. It is. I want to get that. uh, I want to get it done, and it, you know, I, honestly, I uh, I feel like we actually I put it off because it is a th- it's th- three weeks. And you know we've been a little busy around here the last two years trying to catch up, but I actually feel like now we're in a place where uh, we've got a killer team. Uh, uh, there's not a weak link in our chain; like yeah. it's just killer. So, if, what is this October? Uh, yeah, uh, September 14th through October 7th. Okay, so yeah, if you're making uh, sermon plans, that you'd be you'd be in the pulpit for a little bit of that. Yeah, right before the election, that'll be awesome. I have thought of that, by the way. <laughs> like, I didn't think about it when I booked it, but I'm like, oh man, I'm going to be out of touch. Yeah. If there's if riots it, start, dude, I'm going to, you know. Yeah. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, I'll tell you this: if if riots start and they shut down the internet or whatever in America, I just take care of my kids till I get because I'm finishing this hike <laughs> this time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like I, come on. If I'm if I'm one day in and this starts, my game, bro, uh, twelve days without me in the world, i will uh, figure it uh, out. You guys will figure it out without <laughs> me. I'll, but I'll I'll be back.
0: Oh man, I don't blame you. Well, this week we started a new sermon series, uh, the 1 John, not to be confused with the series we just came out of, which was the Book of John, yeah. and the Book of John series we, we got through in about, I think it was 15 months. Um, Felt like we crushed that. The good, yeah, not, not too bad. The, the good news about 1 John is that it's five chapters, Yeah, and we knocked out a chapter this week handsome,
1: and a couple extra, yeah, a couple
0: extra now, granted coming hot,
1: the but, first chapter only had about seven verses, but eight verses eleven verses, verses but 11 yeah verses, be that, like that as it may it uh got right through, it. I, we crushed it, and you're gonna knock out a block this weekend
0: this week we'll tackle tackle chapter two as we we run through this, and so don't stop believing, yeah is the the sermon series title, don't stop believing, can't help but think of the song every time you say it um. The main takeaway from chapter one, fellowship with God, fellowship with others, and fellowship with the truth. Now, what you brought into to this was, was a couple of reports, um, some, an, an article.
1: Normal. It's a normal Sunday. Typical. <laughs> you, brought, you brought in a book. You brought in a report. Uh, yeah, from, from the post. Just one poem short of being a perfect Baptist sermon. You talked about this,
0: this book called Project Unlonely, which I thought was, which I hadn't heard of. I don't know how I missed
1: it. Well, because it's terrible. Like, it's a 100% woke, uh, progressive take on, but the, but the science. So, he, I'd say it this way he identifies the problem perfectly. It's the solution that is. Known. Okay.
0: Yeah, because some of the, study, the studies that, that are included in the book that you mentioned, like the Harvard study, found that 43% of young adults reported an increase in loneliness since 2020, since the start of the pandemic. That's a huge number. Oh, yeah. You know, four out of 10, it it jumped to four out of 10. It could have been more, I don't know what it was before that, but that's a huge jump in loneliness in young adults. And that half reported uh, that no one in the past few weeks had taken more than a few minutes to ask how they were doing. Yeah. So that, You know, as far as close relationships or community, seemingly non-existent in young people. And there's a disconnection there that's happening, loneliness, and obviously tying that into the need for fellowship across the board.
1: The society that we've cooked up and the technology that we've invented alongside of it has like and, and I, it's funny because it, I'm going to say the word it's connected us, but it, that's just not the right word. Yeah. Um, because real connection is well, the Bible uses the word fellowship. Like that's actual real connection. The biblical idea. Uh, it's a Greek word called koinonia, and it's so much different than uh, than just being bros. But but the generation that um, came up, like our kids' generation was in a world where it was, they're 100% connected online, but our brains know better. So you don't even get the same dopamine, the same result when you're having a FaceTime conversation as when we're having this conversation. But this is where the vast majority of communication is is happening. I mean, I, I, I watch my my boy walk around. Like, he's literally just making breakfast or whatever, and he'll stop and do one of these and—, and, and like it's just him and his girlfriend taking sending selfies. Pic- well, they're just sending pictures of themselves to each other. Like,
0: here's me making the toast. Yeah,
1: I actually thought about that. Like, what? How weird it would be if that was like my life was walking around sending selfies to you of me. <laughs> and here I am um, making an omelet. Yeah. You know, but no explanation. I don't know. Maybe you put emojis with it. But, but that's a. It's it is an illusion of connection. And so it's almost like drinking salt water instead of fresh water. Oh, that's a really good analogy. Like it's water, but it'll kill you because it's not giving you what you need and it's taking from you what you need. Um, it's dehydrating you spiritually. And so uh, with this, um, he's identified that as the problem. And as is everything with the commands of God, they're not meant to be burdensome for us. They're for our flourishing. We were made for connection. It's one of the things that Chip Dodd talks about is that uh, as t- when you're born as a baby, like, you know, Micah's got a ham in the oven. He got another one coming down the pipeline. Um, but, like, how many words right, would you say right now is in Thailand's vocabulary?
0: He's probably got—he's probably got 10.
1: 10, yeah. Okay. And he's—wait, how old? A year? He's 15 months. 15 months. Today. Happy birthday, grandson. So for the last 15 months, baby Thailand has to communicate somehow— but he's not thinking because he can't think. His brain isn't formed, so he feels it. And so, wh- whether it's hunger, sadness, what, he, that those are the feelings that God gave him to communicate to his parents, uh, his needs. And language comes along, and humans have literally the only thing that uh, we're the only creatures, obviously, that have language. Or even put it differently, we're the only creatures on the planet that know we're here. Like we actually know we're here. But before that, the you come out and it's the feelings of uh of hunger of sat- fear all those feelings the, that is what is they they are communicating that's why Dodd calls it the voice of the heart because it's actually a communication and we still have them, but we stuff them down, and most of the uh the loneliness I think we're experiencing now is is we've never recognized those needs um and the very thing that we are using to try to fill that need that we can't even identify is is actually poisoning us more than it's helping us. If, if you're using it for relationship, like if the internet is a tool for your relationships, it, yeah. it will always, has always, will never, right? It's always going to fall short.
0: Yeah. There was listed in here three types of loneliness which I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah, that was what jumped out to me. It's the only reason I even mentioned it, yeah. right? Because he that I'd never heard it so succinctly put.
0: And it feels right, like yeah. It adds up. The the three types are psychological loneliness, social loneliness, and existential loneliness. The psychological loneliness is when they don't feel like they have anyone t- to confide in or trust. Right. Um Societal loneliness is feeling systematically excluded because of a characteristic, gender, race, disability. I would add ideology. A hundred percent. Which is, to me, like the most prevalent thing right now is this exclusion based on ideas. Yep. Existential spiritual loneliness from being disconnected from oneself. Yeah. Having an existential crisis. Those are... That That was from... um again project unlonely jeremy noble but those three you tied into you know scripture and in in the encouragement that we can find and the meaning that we can find in the purpose and most importantly the belonging yeah that we can find through scripture specifically first john
1: yeah because when you look at what john is talking about uh, it's fellowship with god first fellowship with each other second and then he doesn't use the word fellowship but he describes a fellowship uh so it's fellowship with God fellowship with each other and fellowship with truth the, the truth oh. it's I've got to have a knowing of the truth because if I you know look if I have a, I can have a relationship with my wife but if it's based on the false pretense of who she is or who I am that actually is not a relationship then that mean you know that's a, in fact, a lot of psychological loneliness is literally just missing each other of, like, I misunderstood you, you misunderstood me. So it's an actual lack of truth that brings psychological loneliness, uh, many times. Uh, withdrawal, you know, a, a lot of, that's some people's mechanisms for coping is I'm uncomfortable, so I'm going to peace out. You know, I'm just, but, that's not, I'm, but they're not getting to the truth. But if you start with the truth, then... Let the chips fall where they may. We say that a lot, right? Like whatever the. I just want to know what's true. Whatever it is, and then let the chips fall where they may. That, uh, it, and th- those are literally laid out there in First John, the uh, chapter one, and then into verse two and three of chapter two, because he speaks specifically what the real truth is of our relationship with Christ. I think the
0: societal loneliness is a big one right now. Um, again, based on ideologies, I think there's. I mean, I've talked to talked to guys or you know have conversation with 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 guys that work in, you know, work in the, the workforce, secular workforce, yep. in, and they're just, they feel like they're on an island. You know, culture has dictated what to believe and how to believe and all things DEI and all things woke, you know, uh, rise to the top in major corporations. And and as believers and Christians, they're, they're in essence, marginalized. Their opinions don't perhaps even matter or yeah. aren't considered. You know, and even, you know, I know Joel has talked about this, our youth pastor has talked about how students... You know, they they feel like they're in the minority with their belief systems in a public school scenario. Well, they they should feel like that because they are. Yeah. So there's a loneliness that can come from that to feel like, man, I am am on my
1: own on how I believe and what I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, I I, man, this is why we have a deeper podcast, right? Because I didn't um, get a chance to even cover this in much detail. But part of that societal loneliness um, comes from what you just talked about the ideology of it and part of the ideology where society is experiencing a lot of loneliness is then if you're not careful, you get into the victim mentality from that. Yeah. And when you look at way he says that excluded because of characteristic, including gender, race or disability. Um, the thing is, we've all got our thing that's happened to me. But if it's, if I'm carrying that around as the thing, then, then I'm more lonely, not less lonely because everybody's out to get me. uh, Everything's everybody else's fault. And again, so there's no fellowship with the truth in that. But if fellowship with the truth then brings fellowship with each other, because I know I'm not a victim. You know, if you had something bad happen to you in that moment, you were victimized, but the decision to be a victim, that is yours. You know, this is a terrible Harsh metaphor, but someone has a gun to your head. You're being victimized. The minute they put the gun down and walk away, and you're no longer victimized, now you you get to choose whether you're going to be a victim or you're going to be a victor in that situation. But what I didn't really get to cover, and I man, I really wished I could have, is that loneliness in and of itself is actually not uh, A, a sin, and it's our gift from our Father. To draw us back to Him, like that, He put it in. We need uh, loneliness is my need for connection, not being fulfilled by the people or whatever. I am putting that the weight of that connection on. And if I won't medicate it, if I won't ignore it, if I won't numb it through TikTok, Insta, whatever, if I'll sit in it, it actually leads me then to connection. Like it's a it's a tool. But the problem, if you leave it alone and you don't deal with it and you stuff it and you medicate it and you TikTok it and you internet it, that's when it becomes just a disaster in our hearts of depression, anxiety, all those things that are happening. Um, that, that's, it's not like Stephen B. Hawking's The Theory of Everything for psychology, but it's darn close that loneliness is at the root of all of this.
0: Well, and then Chip Dodd would, in, his, you know, in the feelings chart, the voice of the heart loneliness is the, is a truth it's a it's a feeling it's a true feeling that we experience and we can it can either be impaired or it can be a gift right the, the loneliness can lead us to in health the gift of loneliness is intimacy with others yeah right that's what it can lead yeah. us
1: to and Dodd would use the and it's not his it's, i don't I'll give him credit for it. it intimacy is into me see like that's intimacy is you are seeing me i am seeing you um and that's the biblical understanding of fellowship is that that's right. we're in yeah. this. And it, <sighs> the
0: impairment of that, though, the opposite yeah. side yeah. leads to apathy, which is so
1: dangerous to be apathetic. Right. right. And, and think about our society as a whole right now. Like the apathy, the complacency, the... Like if, you've, if you were to like psychoanalyze a culture... Mm. You could say, yeah, that loneliness is it, man. That's the big thing because uh, all the symptoms of it play out like that. So apathy, um, I love Jordan Peterson in an interview once said, you know the way that I stopped? Have you heard him say this? The reason people stopped, protesters stopped coming to my talks? He said, because I started doing them in the morning. (laughs) And he was dead serious. <laughs> That's amazing. That the protesters at universities were fine to protest as long as it wasn't before noon. Wow. He hadn't done anything different other than he started doing them in the morning, and all of a sudden the protesters stopped showing up It'll because care they, could, enough they couldn't to wake get up. So it's apathy, man. It's loneliness. It'll get to it when they get Probably. to it. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. And I, uh, it's so wild because the biblical. It, it, the Bible's amazing because even if we didn't understand any of the psycho babble around anything like the word, the H- whatever, Hubert Dodd, all this, even if we didn't understand any of it, but we still followed these commands, we're going to experience the flourishing that he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And it, when it comes to connection, because that again, Project Unlonely, he's saying that that's loneliness is a need for connection and, uh... That's just a biblical idea that I'm born in need. I'm in need of a father. I'm in need. And he says here for John one, this is an actual way to actually experience. Like he's, he is making it clear. I've seen him. I touched him. I heard him. He's alive. I can have a, you can, I have, we have a relationship with him, a fellowship with him. That is anathema to any, uh, literally every world religion on the planet. That is anathema to all of them, especially the big, the big five. He, um, in the word gave us a game plan and I guess we could talk about it now, but the thing that breaks it all down, which, you know, when you, when you, when you use only the psycho analysis of it, then it actually can put you in the victim thing again. Well, I had a hard childhood and so I, I, I'm scared to reach out and now I'm, so I'm lonely because of that. And so it becomes a medical thing or psychological thing, but John doesn't leave room for that. He actually calls it sin. Yeah. And. You know, sin in the strictest sense, when we talk about it, you know, uh, what is it? I I, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, drink or chew, or hang out with girls who do. I don't know if they talk about that in the uh, Baptist church, but, uh, I obviously did hang out with girls that did. Anyway, um, he, uh, the, the sin isn't just those quote unquote bad things like, you know, so, so at some point, like your childhood, my childhood, things happened that, that, that sort of wired my brain a certain way but it doesn't give me an excuse to treat my wife poorly just because i was treated poorly yeah so that's actually called a sin, and it needs to be repented and he talks about confession um and confessing uh i think it's james three confess your sins one to another james one two three one of the james ones uh that you might be healed it's it's just that simple like hey uh, you know, confessing to each other, confessing to the father and you go back to intimacy, into me, see, like that's all it is. It's, it's that hard and it's that simple yeah. at the same time.
0: <clears throat> I've been going through uh, the book, The Body Keeps the Score, mm. um, which, bro, oh, it is, it is so enlightening, incredibly heavy, but the, the amount of wisdom and just i don't know i i almost feel like i was telling this to my wife the other day i almost feel like every pastor should read this book mm. um yeah right to give insight into where everybody's coming from um potentially but the body keeps the score i, I don't have i don't have the author's name in front of me it's a long last name it's uh, almost unpronounceable if i remember right like, uh, i i don't want to try to guess but i should know it i've given that book away to like six people i should right? know the author's name but there's it, so much incredible information in the book on, on how our body responds to these things that we're talking about. Um, traumas, specifically. How it holds on to. It holds on to trauma. Um, how the the physical body, not just the emotional, yeah. but how it manifests through our physical bodies. Yeah. Through sickness or um, pains and and all, all kinds of things, like the whole gamut, the whole spectrum. Definitely, def- definitely recommend it. It's, uh, yeah, uh, Bessel Van Der Kolk.
1: Yep, see, one hundred percent unpronounceable.
0: <laughs> it's it's just an yeah. incredible book. It's a New York bestseller. Uh, highly recommend. But I, you know, in listening to this book, and I'm about halfway through. I'm doing the audio book, by the way. I just do it way better. One speed, one point Um, maybe like one and a quarter. Yeah. And you'll get faster. Yeah, probably. I got to train my brain. Um, I feel like there needs to be an addendum to this book, though. For for society as a whole, from the past four years, like, like how the body has kept the score on how we went through the mm. COVID years, um, it just feels because he covers all these instances of previous wars, previous traumas, previous you know major events in the world, you know those that obviously participated in them or how it affected families, et cetera, et cetera. And then obviously, I, I can't remember when the book was written, but it was prior to 2020. Mm-hmm. It just feels like man, I would, I would be so curious to know the psychology now of how the body is keeping the score in us from what we've gone through as,
1: as a world globally. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really astute observation because something that happened that was global that has never happened in history of humanity was a, a push to isolate from other humans. Right and intentional created loneliness as if that wasn't going to have negative repercussions right as if but you're right globally you know what did that do what is it doing to people that they're still holding on so the 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 premise of that book is that you don't deal with the trauma the hurt the whatever your body holds on to it and and it makes so much sense it's like of course it would of course it would that but it can manifest in inflammation and illness and inflammation which leads to illness and that is it's like uh, the the speaking under this mountain and cast into the sea right but if i keep building new mountains you know like sometimes it's like put a lot of times, it's like, well, put the shovel down and quit building a mountain. Like, you just cut it out. Um, like, for me, it's eating right now. Like, okay, what's, well, you know, just cut it out. Don't. You can't outrun a French fry, Darren. So whatever it is, you know.
0: Man, I can't remember the last time I had a French fry. You just. Oh, I know. gotta stay I'll strong. i it's
1: been about three weeks for me and. Uh, Good job. Uh I'm almost lost track of my mind now because that French fry sounds so like a McDonald's <laughs> like a fresh McDonald's fry right now. Oh, with an ice cold coke. Oh, it's making my scalp drink. My scalp is tingling. Stop. Okay, I'm done. Satan, be uh, removed. Uh, <gasps> rebuke that. Uh, but it it holds on to in a way that's sickness. So when you go back to confessing your sins one to another, that you might be say you healed. Like that's a, it's literally the Bible is just we didn't explain it you know with physiology, but that that it worked. You know that that's what we were designed to do, and the church ought to maybe. Uh, I hate to word. I, I hate the word "should," but I'll guess I'll use it because I can't think of another one. But the church should have that as like our designer, our calling card, our that we are in connection with each other, and um, I guess I can say this, and we can edit it later if it turns out that it's too harsh, but. If we don't recognize the sin, pride, whatever it is that is keeping me from that connection, right? That's the fellowship with the truth that then brings me the fellowship with the Father and with each other. And But if I don't have that, um, it's like the truth, the the church has got the the corner on the market on this thing. And maybe you mentioned it and we never really, I guess, talked about it, but the marginalization that many people are experiencing in their work right now. If we will allow it to, that loneliness will drive us to connection with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, I often romanticize Acts chapter 2. They were together. They were sharing. They loved Mm. each other. So that's such a romantic notion, right? And they were there because they were so persecuted and so marginalized that they they couldn't go anywhere else. Yeah. You know, the book of Romans was written to the Christians in Rome that were in the ghetto of, and you read the language of how they loved each other and what they, you know. So there is a gift in this for each other that I don't know if we would do it any other way other than, ch- through, ch- you know, the fellowship of suffering. You know, when our, the family, um, the Sokiks, when they just lost their, their little girl, a couple, uh, last month, uh, December, there was intense suffering, and this is their story to tell. They've she shared some of it online, so I feel comfortable. But, but there was also a fellowship of the suffering that they had together. That was it was a it was beautiful and it was brutal, like at the same time. I don't know how else to explain it. That's what the fellowship that he has promised us. And when you look at Phil and Vanessa, uh, they were how do I say this right? No one is ever ready, ready for this. But they were as positioned as well as anybody I could have imagined because of their she has a fellowship, he has a fellowship with the truth, fellowship with God, fellowship with God's people. So they were prepared in a way that most are not. And the you don't want to wait for a tragedy and then try to catch up. Because you can't make fellowship up overnight. It's a process. Waiting until the tragedy happens, uh, it's too late by that point. But going into a tragedy with fellowship is uh it's it, it beautiful and it's brutal,
0: yeah, I think position's the right word. They were positioned correctly, yeah, in a place that when it all comes crashing down they 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 had community yeah, and <clears throat> I think that's the biggest that's the biggest um uh solution to societal loneliness that that I see play out on a daily basis is our church community yeah s- small groups, s- teams serving together. Getting to know one another um, through the excuse of uh, serving together on a Sunday that spills over into relationship throughout the week. Yeah, I love that. I love seeing that. And yeah,
1: isn't it yeah, I almost feel like a an old like an old grandpa. Like when you see pictures <laughs> online of people in your in the church family yes. getting together for whatever group, I'm like, oh, it's very satisfying. Not that I think you're my kids or grandkids, but it just has a feeling of man, I'm proud of my family. Yes, I completely agree. You um, you put this quote up there. I'm
0: going to switch gears just here a little bit. But it's a, the Jordan Peterson quote <laughs> uh, at the end. Oh, man. Uh, a, a harmless man is not a good man. A good man is a very dangerous man who has that under voluntary control. Oh, I love that so much. There's so much there. And of course, Jordan would say something like that.
1: Didn't it Like the minute I heard him say it out loud, I was like,
0: I wanted to run through a wall.
1: Yeah. Because he's onto it. And there's a, so the reason why, if you were to look at his, I guess you call it a fan base, statistically, it's vastly disproportionately male. Yes. Right. Uh, he's like a male agnostic version of Joyce Meyer, but the opposite. Like <laughs> you go to a Joyce Meyer conference, <laughs> if you're a dude oh, and you go to a Joyce Meyer conference, yeah. you're guaranteed you're going to get on camera because they need at least to show the two, you know, two dudes I'll make a look up there's men here. But, but the reason that he is uh, connecting, and I don't know, I mean, we're sitting with young men in the room right now, but I think is because for the la- at least the last decade, if not more, young men... White, black, brown, whatever, but men in general have become the pariah of so everything's a man problem, everything's a misogynistic problem, everything is a uh males are the, the 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 problem, and if we can just put them in their place. So now you've got young men who think the idea is uh I have to literally uh how do I say this with in case there's children, listen. I have to uh become more like a woman. In order to be a safe man, to be a non-toxic man, whatever language they would
0: use. Yeah, because according to society, you know, Grandpa was
1: bad. The patriarchy is no good. Yeah, and so imagine that's the culture you've grown up in. So now you, it's it's no wonder that guys like Andrew Tate took off like they did, because even though he's full of crap, he was speaking specifically to young men to get your crap together. Mm-hmm. Pull yourself up. Do something of value in this world. Lead. And by taking that out, when you talk about the societal loneliness, existential loneliness, (laughs) that just hits young men in the core of that. But what I was Mm -hmm. attempting to say with that was that the sin is the acting on, you know, being like abusive, being like you don't want a husband that is obviously abusing, like, and I, I, in the 5 p.m., I don't know, I felt a real strong urge just to say, if you're beating your wife, don't, yeah. uh, I'm coming after you. But, um, the, that's not what it is. What it is, is if you are dangerous, because here's the thing, the truth is right now, my job in my home is the same as Pastor William's job in West Africa as Lafleur's job in Haiti. And that is, if something goes thud in the night, I get up and I go check it out. Right. That's, part of the masculine role. You want, I want, we want young men who can access the masculinity and the strength that God gave them but then restrain it back to the sin part, restraining it uh, in in the name of the gospel and uh, when when you look at Paul, John, I mean, I love it that, you know, John, they called the apostle of love. He's the guy that said, call down fire on Samaria. Like, he and his, they were called the Sons of Thunder. They, they, these he yeah, wasn't a true. He wasn't a pansy by any means. Yeah. And so you see in John a masculine strength, tough as nails, but he has it under control. And he is, and you see it in his life. He won't quit. He keeps going. They they couldn't kill him. They couldn't boil him. They couldn't exile him. He wouldn't quit. And there's something in that of masculinity for young men that that's. Whatever society is telling you, it's a lie, and it's poison, and it's seawater, not water for your soul. Well, speaking of a good man is a dangerous
0: man uh, who has it under control. Uh, can we talk about your trip you're about to go
1: on? So that could be a dumb man who doesn't have it under control. This could go one of two ways. <laughs> um, yeah, tell us if if that's if yeah, okay. I think it is. Yeah, I mean, I leave uh, I leave for Israel on Saturday. Saturday. And we'll be there pretty quick. I mean, we're going to stay for like wheels up to wheels down. I think is seven days, so we'll be on the ground. Oh, okay. Say technically five, six days. Um, but I'm going to go. If you guys remember Iftak that we interviewed a couple months ago, we're going to spend a couple days with him in his kibbutz. Uh, it's I'm, a neighborhood, right? Uh, it's an it's is actually, that what kibbutz means. Kibbutz is a um. Like a, it's a, a village. It, yeah, you know what? We probably would call it a neighborhood. It'd be like Canterbury, Bridgemore, whatever, like neighborhoods. But they have their own mayor, their own, you know, little. So it's it's like a town and a farm and a commune. It's like oh, it's like this weird amount. We don't have anything you know, like it in, in America, but that's the closest. They're 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 walled off and they've got a gate. Um, and if you remember, if Doc was saying that, you know, every one of these little, you know, be like. You know, what's your, what's your neighborhood's name? I can never remember the name. Oakwood. It's like Oakwood had a little central location with a locker with five M16s in it in case uh, the people down the road at River Bend uh, attack your neighborhood so you can protect yourself. It's actually not a bad idea. Right, take over, yeah, assault the neighbors down the road. Uh, so anyway, we'll spend a couple of days with with Iftok and his daughters. And uh, if you remember Yuri, he was there. He's going to be with us. Yeah. Um, we're going uh, to... I've never seen in my life anyway, an openness to Jesus as Messiah from Jewish people as there is right now. The idea that the Passover lamb, that it might be him. There, I'm not saying that there's a revival breaking out, but I'm saying that they are seeing the whole world turn against him, but there's one group that's not, and it's evangelical Christians in the West. And I say that not even just the West— You go to Africa, yeah. Oh man, they're pro-Israel, they're pro-Jew, pro because they're pro-God. Like you can't be pro-God and not be pro-Israel. But
0: well, we were joking earlier that uh, you know that you're you have this perhaps this deep seated childhood (laughs) dream coming processing that coming true is to be a war correspondent (laughs) because (laughs) you grew up watching the news like as a child and just fascinated with with all of that, and so here you are. Literally, I mean, this is a terrible uh, play on words, but in the crosshairs <laughs>
1: of
0: of, of uh, oh man international uh, conflict, um, are you gonna are you putting a vest on you, a flak jacket, or like a helmet? Like, what do you? Yeah, because you're going you're going into some yeah some some interesting areas.
1: Yeah, we'll um, to document what's going on. We'll do. Well, we'll do what we can do, right? Yeah. So, the vehicle will be armored. Uh, this is next level stuff. We'll have flak jackets and helmets, and um,
0: you get to see the IDF in action like, over top of you, perhaps. Maybe the, get a little Iron Dome action. Uh, Iron Dome. is what I meant.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is like the Fourth of July here, uh, <laughs> right, but the actual real. Yeah, but but, <laughs> but not. Um, no, I we'll, so. What I really feel strongly about is, and I'm still laughing because maybe I am. I got a secret Sebastian Younger itch <laughs> inside of me. But I thought it was I just didn't like bullies, right? I, mean, yeah. I grew up in a town where there were bullies and I just didn't like them at all. I mean, and I still don't. And when you're angry about something, healthy anger is just called passion. And I'm very passionate about not letting bullies tell us where we can and can't go, what we can and can't do. Whether that's our president or the leader of Hamas, I don't care. Like we don't we don't take our orders from mm-hmm. governments or terrorist organizations. Yeah. And you know we've sent. And I think we've already sent one hundred and eighty thousand. By the time uh, I get there, we'll have probably it'll probably be by the time I get there, we'll have wired another. We've raised two hundred and ten thousand so far. Incredible. And I, we're going to spend time with the families that are that we're financially supporting. That's good. And let them know that we love them, Jesus. Even though they don't believe He's Messiah, loves them, and uh, and we got their back.
0: What if you could give us a, just like a quick snapshot, perhaps, as we we wind down a little bit here, the, the current situation in Israel. I don't know if you know this what, today. Um, this I read this right before I stepped into the studio. Um, Secretary of State is that Blinken? Blinken, yeah, yeah. He met with Abbas today. Um, Mahmoud Abbas? uh Uh-huh. Where? I'm not sure. Leader of the Palestinian Authority, of course, to discuss involvement in post-conflict governance and future reconstruction efforts. They sat down today. Interesting. The picture is interesting um, because they're like super far apart. It's almost like, it looks like a COVID picture. <laughs> what was that? What was that? Putin and somebody else when they when they met, it was like so far apart. That's amazing. They're like spread out and no smiles. It's just weird. Well, yeah, there's no weird. love.
1: They have no love for each other. But the, it's just odd
0: that they met today to,
1: to discuss whatever they're discussing. Well, the only way, on paper anyway, that they can move forward is for PLO to be actively involved in Gaza. If you listen to this podcast, you know this, but if, if, you, if you're new, you may or may not know this. Gaza is part of the Palestinian territory, but since 2006, the West Bank and Gaza, which are separate geographically, one is ruled by PLO, the other is ruled by Hamas. And Hamas is a terrorist organization enough that for years, and I think to this day, Abbas, who is technically the president, of or Prime Minister, whatever they call them, leader of Palestinian people, cannot go to Gaza. It'd be like Biden can't go to Texas. They don't like him at all, and they'll kill him if you go in there. So as as much as Abbas is, wants Israel overthrown from the river to the sea, there is a split inside his own government, his own people, as to who is going to be in control. So... When Hamas took over in Gaza, that was when the walls went up. That was when you know uh, all the sorry I'm knocking over the furniture. That was when all the protections went into place because these guys are straight up terrorist organization. It's ISIS in Israel. You know, the, the any legitimacy that's been granted to them is either uh, blind uh, stupidity or blatant uh, dishonesty. I'm trying to catch up to see if there's any new
0: information on this this meeting. There's it's I mean it this literally happened within the past hour or two. So I'm sure we'll get a report here shortly.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I didn't know that was on the on the schedule. I know that this week Israel took out one of Hezbollah's top guys. Uh vaporized him. Uh, they vaporized one of Hamas's type guys last week, top guys. Like th- they are on the hunt. Like they're going to the source and killing these guys, this would make a great Liam Neeson movie later in life. Like, I will find you. I have a particular set of skills. Yeah. I mean, I think terrorists, I think they're just trying, I
0: think they're just trying to negotiate. um, the, The like this, it feels, I mean, I feel like I said this before, but it also feels like they're trying one more time to negotiate something before, you know, initiating the start of something else. Yeah. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, what I do know is there's a lot of good people over there who are being brutalized. Uh, There was a New York Times article, believe it or not, actually outlining the atrocities that were verifiable from October 7th. And what these guys did to to women in particular— you know when dante talks about the levels of hell there's probably a brand new one that was created specifically for hamas Mm. terrorists to be tortured because what they did was awful yeah and it was unprovoked it was unjustified uh and a hundred percent different than we were trying to take out this hamas leader and we and we had a collateral damage where some people died Terrible, but it's different. than we went and specifically targeted these women and children to do terrible, terrible things to them before we killed them and after we killed them. So we we're going to go. We're um, there's a, uh, a couple pastor friends of mine uh, that'll be with us. Uh, Todd Lampier will be there. Um, we're going to be just missing Michael W. Smith. He gets there like almost, as I'm taking off, he'll be landing. I'm assuming he's probably not going to be in a commercial flight. Like, he's probably not going to be in the center. Of, of an all flight, but anyway, <laughs> he'll be there with Franklin Graham the day after we leave. Uh, and, and a whole other group of Christians that I know, Ali Anderson from our church is going to be there the week after I'm there. Like when I when I say that there's an openness to the gospel, there's also an openness of courage to Christian leaders to go there, be seen there. You know, my goal with Caleb is to get as many interviews as... Can as many stories as we can to tell the truth about what's happening, uh, and the only way. I mean, and so maybe it is the correspondent. Maybe that is. Maybe we just got to the word correspondent thing because I just want to tell yeah. the truth about what's happening, and I don't even have to tell it. We'll just roll the cameras and let the people tell the truth. Yeah, that's
0: good. Just one final thing here before we wrap. Um, could you speak? We're we're about to go on a an adventure as a church family for twenty one days um, of prayer and fasting. And I think it would be helpful to those that are listening um, to maybe just hear, hear from you specifically on, on what, what it means to fast hmm. and the different, perhaps not different types of fast or, you know, just the heart behind fasting in general. Yeah. Um, it's, it's. We're doing a prayer and fasting, so perhaps, you know, you you're choose not to fast over the 21 days. That is totally fine, but we are together at least going to be devoted and dialed into to praying together as a church yeah. over the next three weeks. Um, and then this added element of, of fasting during this time. Maybe speak to what yeah. that could look like for people.
1: I love Lisa Bevere's uh, quote about it, which is, you know, diet will change the way you look, but a fast will change the way you see. That's really good. Yeah. That's why Lisa sells 10 million books and I sell like <laughs> a thousand. Uh, that, but it's so true that, that that is fasting. And again, we, we say this a lot, but at like all of God's commands, they're for our flourishing. And these last few years, especially intermittent fasting, this is all from the secular humanists of it. Like they see the genuine scientific benefits of of abstaining, you know, it's, it's, this is actually physiologically how we were designed to do this, to live. But if that's the only thing we're doing is for the physiological part, that's just called a diet and it'll just change the way you look. But when you combine that with the spiritual element of it, it literally changes the way you, you see. The scripture is full of stories of, it was like, it was an assumed part of, of the life. And so as this three-week period unfolds, you know, that doesn't mean that you have to go on, like, just water for 21 days. In fact, I would strongly encourage you not to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. um, What I will likely do again, what's what I'll do again, is I'll do just one meal a day, probably dinner, maybe lunch, but just one meal a day, and then— the the other two when I would have meals would I would make sure and devote those two that t- to prayer time uh, mm-hmm. instead of eating and and some of you might do hey I'll do two or three days just water and then do you know twenty one days of prayer or whatever seventeen days of prayer whatever there is no command that says this is what you do and how you do it yeah. it's other than fasting is a principle in the scriptures mm-hmm. that is for our flourishing. And, you know, my I think we've got 500, what you say, 550 yeah. that are signed up to join us on this mm-hmm. journey? Um, right. The stories that I've heard from the past as far as, yeah, this fast, and I just suddenly, I had clarity on something that I'd never had clarity on before. And there's no explanation other than the spirit was moving in a moment when you were putting away your, Imagery or whatever it is that's distracting you from God. It just gives you those moments to get drilled down on God again, and it just opens your heart and your mind to the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I would maybe even go a step further to say anything that you crave. So whether it's food, social media, the propensity to watch binge shows or movies or whatever that thing that that you crave that's not... Of the lord specifically or directly maybe for the next three weeks i'll
1: replace that yeah a scripture or prayer yeah and a thought that goes along that uh i guess to saying the same thing but a different way if like so let's say you've got uh self-image struggles problems or like what are the things that would feed that potentially social yeah. media whatever it is that's they so Look if that's the thing that you get, then get rid of that for you know mm-hmm. the week. If it's uh, anxiety, uh, anxiousness, like what are the things that are making you afraid? So maybe you maybe you fast from the news from that time. Like right. everything yeah. that would distract you or that is shaping you into an image, get rid of that and replace it with the thing that wants to transform you into his image. And twenty one days of that is a, is a great opportunity to have some significant transformation in our lives individually and corporately.
0: Yeah, and even in doing something for 21 days um, is is a really really good step to continue a pattern even longer. Yeah. You know, in your in your life, and in your regular lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people yeah. to to think through that.
1: And it's cool to think that I know I know of a few churches that are either already in In just Nashville, Mm -hmm. they're already either in prayer and fasting or about to start. So the entire Middle Tennessee region, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are simultaneously praying and fasting at the same time. Powerful. Yeah, God can do some cool stuff in that.
0: It's really good. Well, good luck on your trip. You'll you'll have a whole church body praying for you uh, this next week. Well, um, with any luck, maybe we could do a, a Zoom episode next week from Israel. Maybe if we can figure it out, that would be that'd be wild. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we're potentially contending with is uh, local weather next weekend. Next week, looking, I don't know what the weather's going to look like in Tel Aviv where you're going to be in a week, but here is going to have uh, the temperatures going to have a negative sign in front
1: of it. Yeah, I am stoked to be leaving. <laughs> you're going to miss all of the Arctic blast. It's yeah. coming in. It's so funny because I, over the years, traditionally I would go to Haiti in January and it feels like more times than not. I'm leaving here and it's like zero degrees and I get to Haiti and it's obviously 95 degrees. It's such a whiplash, oh, but, yeah. but January is the optimal time to get out of Nashville for Yeah. You're going to miss it. Length of time. So yeah. Enjoy. Right now I think the weather is forties uh, and fifties. A lot uh, like here, general, generally speaking, except for these winter blasts. that yeah. they don't get. Yeah, they they do up on, uh, on the Golan Heights. Like we missed a major snowstorm last year by like a day. Oh wow! Uh, we saw it coming, so we, you know, Catherine, our guide, she she's a female Mo in Israel. <laughs> So she she saw it coming and so we switched our routing and did the the Golan Heights of the day and Great. the next day like all over the news is like bulldozers and people trapped on the mountain.
0: Well, if you haven't bought your sledge yet or you haven't bought your salt and your shovels, maybe time to do that. Now, you know how it goes around here. They'll they'll call for five, six inches of snow and we'll get squadoosh. We'll get nothing. But what for sure we're gonna get is it's gonna really cold. Really freezing, colder. freezing cold cold weather. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast um, as we, we dive into this new series, Don't Stop Believing. If you missed the teaching from last Sunday, of course, you can go back in our YouTube channel and find that, find it on, on anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find it there as well, obviously in audio form. If you have any questions, you wanna know more about what we're doing here at Conduit Church, conduitchurch.com. And we're just so glad that you joined us. Have a great week.